Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Broadbent. Joining me once again is my co-host, Richie Schneiderite, and we have Sammy Jacobs of Hoosier Huddle uh, to come talk everything about the Rutgers-Indiana matchup this Saturday. Sammy, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, thanks. Early morning, but uh, it's good. I'm on fall break as a teacher, <laughs> so, you know, sleeping until 8.30 was nice. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's awesome. Uh, really appreciate you teaching the youth out there. I know it's not an easy job, especially in today's day and age. Um, Speaking of not easy jobs, it seems like it hasn't been the easiest season for Indiana or its coaching staff this year. Um, talk about how your season's gone so far and what you kind of expect for the rest of the season for Indiana. Um, it has not gone well, to put it simply. Um, you know, the anytime you open up the season with Ohio State, it kind of just puts a damper on the whole thing. Um, you kind of want to take away the positives, you know, you only lost by 20 points or, you know, you only let Marvin Harrison Jr. get 18 yards and stuff like that. And then, um, you know, you get a, a, a nice performance against Indiana state, but it's an FCS squad. Uh, the Louisville game, which is the third, third game of the season, that game kind of, is the turning point of your season. And and I'll put it, my mom was at the game and she put it perfectly. It was really boring at first as Indiana fell down 21, nothing. And then it got exciting. And then we fell off a cliff as they, they came up just short on the goal line on, on fourth down. And it, it, if you can't, that's the best way to sum up Indiana football the last couple of years. Um, you know, especially last year, you know, finishing, um, you, you beat Michigan State. You look like you might beat Purdue, and, and Dexter Williams gets hurt and stuff like that. But this year, they're sitting at two and four. Tom Allen's seat is getting warmer. I wouldn't call it hot yet, just because there's a nice twenty point eight million dollar buyout at the end of the year mm. that uh, that that is uh, keeping his seat kind of cooler. But you know, you came in with some expectations, the 15th ranked tra- transfer class in, in the country. You, you bring in Trace Jack- Jackson, Davis's brother, Taven Jackson, a quarterback. He's a former four-star recruit. Oh, I had no idea that was his brother. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's his brother. Um, you, you have some some guys on defense, some guys on offense, and then, you know, you, you get your butt kicks by Maryland and, and your butt kicked by – a really good Michigan team. That, that was really impressed with Michigan. But yeah, that's that's where the season is. It, it hasn't been a great one. And you just hope that Indiana could, you know, pull a few wins out, um, you know, in the back half of the year. So, so I know you just said Tom Allen's not really on the hot seat, but warm seat, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, does that buyout lower at all when the season's over, or is it just that's twenty million after this season? That's twenty million after this season. <laughs> okay. It right. doesn't lower. It doesn't lower until I think December first, twenty twenty four. I think it. Yeah, I don't know who yeah. his agent is, but shout out, shout out to that guy. <laughs> yeah, um, I kind of want to take it back because Indiana fans were like 
justifiably so super high on Tom Allen, especially the 2020 season, 2021 season. I was cheering so loud at a bar uh, around a bunch of Penn State fans when you guys knocked off Penn State in 2020, the COVID year. Michael Penix Jr. looked like, you know, a Heisman candidate. Obviously, he dealt with some injuries and transferred out. Um, I kind of want to ask a two-part question, and I know you're not supposed to do these kind of things, but what is what has the last few years been like from the such highs for Indiana football to kind of like coming back to earth? And what's the relationship with fans and Michael Penix Jr.? Are they more happy for him that he's being successful or more so thinking like what could have been if he stayed around? Um, I'll answer your second question first. Um, okay. I, I think – at least for me, I'm also a fan too, you know, as an alumni above IU and, and stuff like that. I'm, I'm happy for him. He's a good dude, a uh, hell of a player, but he needed, he needed to move on from IU and IU needed to move on from him. He had, you know, two ACL injuries, two shoulder injuries, and he just, you couldn't attach the program to him anymore. And really, you know, it, it was, he needed a new setting. IU needed to move on, and and so be it. You also have Kalen DeBoer, who's a former IU coordinator, and a lot of their staff members are IU guys who, covering the program, you became close to. Nick Sheridan's their time coach. Um, William Inge, I think, is one of their defensive uh, coaches. There, there's just a lot of IU ties out of Washington. Um, and, yeah, you, you end up rooting for him, and I try not to go to the, the what-if because based on history, that what if is he probably gets hurt and doesn't do anything. But um, good for him, happy for him. He was always a, a stand-up guy, um, a heck of a player. He's a heck of a player. You saw this as a freshman with that with that arm. Um, and then uh, the second question, crashing down to earth. <clears throat> yeah, it's been uh, rough. It's been real rough. Uh, you know, you, you had – 2019 and 2020 were such good seasons. You went eight and four and and six and two, and uh, in, in those seasons, you went to two Florida Bowls. You probably should have won at least one of them. Uh, but you know, the you, you go from six and two and an Outback Bowl bid, and and you beat Penn State, you beat Michigan, and then you go two and ten, and it, it was just there was no steady decline. It was bam, you're right off the cliff. And I think it was shocking. Uh, just just shocking. Because yeah, I remember you guys were ranked pretty highly coming into the 21 season. I think you guys played Cincinnati early in that year, right? Or- we, play, we were ranked 17th coming into the year. We played at Iowa. And the second play of the game on offense for IU is a pick six. Um, <clears throat> Panic throws another pick six uh, to end the first half. And it just outside of that and then Cincinnati um say what you want that was a good Cincinnati team I that was like if you wanted to bottle up the atmosphere that could be at IU that's a sold out game mostly IU fans they were hyped up for that game you got out to a 14 nothing lead and then the damn targeting penalty on Michael Micah McFadden uh, where he bumps heads with Desmond Ritter. It would have been a punt. You have the ball 14 nothing going into halftime, and it's, you know, what could – that's the what could have been. If you win that game, maybe you get some confidence going and, and it doesn't end up like that. But, you know, it, it's not on the referee. Indiana had three trips inside the 10, got zero points, and you lost by 10. 
Yeah, it sounds eerily similar to what happened to us last week. We got a fourth fourth and two stop, and they, you know, it looked like a great play. They go to commercial, and then they cue a targeting review upstairs. They didn't call it on the field, and our best one of our best players got kicked out. They got a you know first down rather than a turnover. So Rutgers fans are not happy with targeting rules either right now, uh, by any means. Um, but let's talk about this offense. You talked about Taven Jackson, uh, the quarterback. You guys got a lot of uh, good skill players from Cam Camper to your two, your dual-headed running back, uh, Tristan Tur- Christian Turner and Jalen Lucas. There's a little bit of a question right now about who's going to be the quarterback because you guys changed your OC and um, Tom Allen said he's not going to say who the quarterback is, but whoever it is will be the quarterback for the rest of the season. So if you're using your crystal ball here, who do you think is the quarterback the rest of the season for IU? Uh, Antoine Randall, maybe, hopefully. So, um <laughs> I, I don't know. I, and, and this is, you know, I think it's more of the coaching stuff. They don't know who the guy is. It's You saw it through fall camp, through spring practice. Both of these guys had days where they were good and days where they were bad. Um, and it just, it is so inconsistent and the swings are so wild. It's you're trying to find the hot hand. And it's what do you do when there is no hot hand? Uh, and, and that's been the case. Uh, if I were coaching, I'd probably start Brendan Sorsby. He's a better runner. I think he's a better fit for the Rod Carey offense, um, which it's not going to change much because you can't really change much in, you know, in the middle of the season. But it, it does affect play calling. Um, I think he's a little bit more careful with the ball, although, you know, they turned the ball over, I think, five times against Michigan. Uh three by Taven and, and two by Brendan Sorsby or, you know, three and one or something like that. Um, but it just seems like he has more awareness of the offense. The, he's not audibling late. Uh, he gets the ball out on time. Uh, it just looks like he's more ready uh, to run the kind of offense that I wants to run. But it's anybody's guess. And, and this quarterback carousel has gone on for way too long. Um, it's not like head games. It's not all we need to keep from Rutgers. Who's starting? I don't. I legit think they did not know as of whatever Monday Monday afternoon. And we haven't. We'll get an update from Tom Allen this afternoon. But I, I don't know. They don't know. Uh, I wanted to ask you since uh, Rod Carey is the new OC, hell of a journey by him, by the way. Um, quality control last year to midseason O line coach to now midseason offensive coordinator. Um, ha- have you seen any like legitimate scheme changes or just dif- differences in play calling? I know midseason changes are hard, but definitely a difference in play calling. You know, Walt Bell was running the the kind of triple option stuff um, to the short side, and it just wanted you to make it put your head through a wall. Um, <laughs> but, and they didn't run that against Michigan. So that's a win, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so there, there's definitely a difference in play calling. Um, I think there's a difference in just how the offense carries itself. But yeah, a heck of a journey. Started last year as the defensive quality control coach. Moves yeah. over the offensive Jeez. line. Offensive quality control coach this year. Now offensive coordinator. Um, <laughs> You know, at least for the foreseeable future, I think his contract goes for OC through 2025. But we'll we'll see how long everybody's you know still standing in Bloomington. Uh, how, sure. it depends on how this season goes. 
Um, I was looking over some of your players and something really jumped out to me. Jalen Lucas, the running back, seems to be like Mr. Do-It-All in your offense. He leads Indiana in rushing attempts, rushing yards, rushing touchdowns, receptions, and receiving touchdowns. I don't think I've ever seen a player who's done, who's had leading a team in all those statistical categories. Is he just the guy that is getting a lot of dump-offs? Like, what is, if you could point to something about his production being that high, what would you say it is? He's the most skilled player on offense. Um, and I think you, you guys saw that last year as he took the opening kickoff back against right. Rutgers for touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, he's their fastest player, um, their most skilled player, and they try to get him the ball any way they can. Um, his rushing touchdowns came against Indiana State, where he just outran outran the defense. Last week, they did a nice wide receiver double pass to him. He was wide open downfield um you know he, he's becoming more of a threat on offense than just on special teams uh, which you know is kind of predictable because why why are you kicking to the guy who's an all-american kick returner mm-hmm. um but you know they'll get him the ball in in any way possible and i think what you've seen more with rod carry than under walt bell is that he's been used as a decoy a lot more Defense is kind of keyed on him, and they, they, you know, while he led in all those categories, um, defense were, hey, if he's moving, we're sending, like, four guys with him. Um, and, and now it's, okay, we're, we're going to move him, not get him the ball, and, and go out the backside or, or find somebody else to throw the ball to. And, and I think that that's the main difference in that, uh, in that offense that you saw, at least against Michigan. Now I want to ask you about that offensive line room. I'm just, I haven't watched a ton of Indiana at all this year, to be honest with you, but the PFF grades look pretty, pretty solid on uh pass blocking and decent on run blocking. And uh, they also have a pretty good O-line coach in Bob Bostad. So how long, how's that unit doing this season? They're so much better than they were last year. Although I think, mm-hmm. you, you know, you and Mike could have, could have been better than last year's <laughs> unit at some point. Um, you know they're they're no longer it's no longer like a JV team playing against the you know the freshman team at in college where it's just you just bum rush the quarterback and it's over. Um, you know there, there's been an actual pocket for the quarterback this year, which you know we have not seen at Indiana in two years. Um, the offensive line kind of got beat up by Michigan, but every offensive line gets beat up by Michigan in the second half and and, and things like that, but. No, I don't think the offensive line is the problem this year. Uh, it, it's Bob Bostad's trying to undo three years of bad coaching with these guys, and and that's and that's just that's tough to to overcome. But uh, you know that they they look a lot better than they have in in the last couple of years. Uh, who else should we be looking out for on Saturday from Indiana's offense? Uh, Indiana's offense, Donovan McCulley. Uh, he's former uh, quarterback, four-star quarterback. He decided he wanted to play receiver. This is his second full year playing receiver. Um, I believe he leads IU in receiving yards uh, besides Jalen Lucas. Uh, he has become yep. the he has become the go-to receiver uh, for IU uh, out of that group. He's he's big. He's six five. He's athletic. Uh, he's still learning the nuances of the position, but he could go up and grab the ball 
and, and things like that. Now, he's not the explosive receiver that you'd like, but that also has to do with the accuracy of the quarterback, throwing it high and making him jump and all that stuff. Uh, and Omar Cooper, I don't know how much he'll play just because he's a redshirt freshman, but he had that, I don't know if you guys saw it on social media, that catch against Michigan where he landed on his head, and that's why he was in bounds. Um, yep, you that know, he's really scary in the moment. Yes, it did. Uh, but also unbelievable that that was the only part of his body that landed in bounds. Um, <laughs> but he, he's come on nicely this year. I, he played more under uh, Rod Kelly than he did under Walt Bell. Um, and then I should, get, should probably get Josh Henderson back. He was their best running back last year. He could catch the ball out of the backfield, run the ball as well. He was the most consistent one there. He's been out the last couple games, uh, I believe, with some sort of injury. But, you know, nobody tells us anything on injuries. They're just, oh, the availability report. But then, then they mm-hmm. don't tell you anything. So and then they they're supposed to release it two hours before yeah. the game and it doesn't get released until like an hour and fifteen before the game. Yeah. Oh, there was an issue getting it submitted, blah blah. blah. Uh, but Stupid. Rutgers fans should be familiar with Josh Henderson. He's a New Jersey guy. Yep. Uh, out of the class of twenty nineteen, I believe, out of the Hunt School. Yeah. Yeah. Um, star. Who do you want to see play quarterback for Indiana the rest of the year? To put the onus on you, if you're the OC, if you have the decision-making powers, who are you putting out there for the remaining five games of the six games of the season for you? Ooh, that's a tough question. Um, probably going Brandon Swordsby against Rutgers. If he loses against Rutgers, I think you play the true freshman. Um, your season's hmm. probably down down the drain. Um, it, that's how you build depth, right? You got to play young guys. And uh, yep. I think that's what you do. You, you go start sprinkling in this true freshman, whether it's bringing him in the second half of games or, or starting him. I, I would go uh, – if IU loses to Rutgers, start seeing hey, what do we have for next year or, you know, the next staff or, or whatever. Interesting. Um, switching to the defense, I know uh, Chad Wilt's the guy there. Um I'm a big fan of his personally. I know he's a really nice guy. I don't know how well he's doing as a coach, but um, just kind of break down how he's been so far this season, working with what he's got. Yeah, well, Matt Guerrero from uh, he was an analyst at Ohio State last year. He was brought in to call the plays on defense. Him okay. and Chad Wilt yeah. are co uh, co coordinators. Hmm. But you know, the first couple weeks, it looked like that they were doing a good job. You held Ohio State to 23 points. You held Louisville to 21 points. It probably should have won that game. Hmm. And then. Um, you know, you saw an explosive play against uh, against Akron. Mm-hmm. Uh, you saw a couple explosives against Louisville early in the game. Uh, Maryland tore, tore Indiana apart. Uh, Michigan kind of big played you to death too. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's Indiana. You, you know, just like Rutgers, you had you're worried about depth. And I think Indiana starters are are good, but they're playing too many snaps and they're mm-hmm. trying to do too much. Uh, and, and things like that. So I think the defensive system is sound. And I don't know if it's on the coaches, uh, you know, players trusting the coaches or players trusting themselves, but they're trying to do too much. And and when that happens, nothing good happens. You you, you leave your job to go do somebody else's, and, and that's when the 50-yard the touchdown pass or, you know, a, a long run happens and, and stuff like that. Rutgers fans can also relate to that because yeah. last year we had we had a good we had a Big Ten average starter at least at every position on defense, but the depth was just a, such a huge drop off. Anybody got dinged up, anybody got winded, 
that second unit would just get toasted. And you guys have some legit dudes on defense. Like Philip Bleedy, your interior defensive lineman, is a dude. Aaron Casey, your linebacker, is a really good player. You got two really good safeties in Lewis Moore and Philip Dunham. You got a six-year transfer from Western Michigan and Andre Carter, who looks like he's having a great year. You know, who are some of, if you could pick like two or three guys from your defense who, for you, really stand out, who would those players be? Aaron, Aaron Casey and Andre Carter probably stand out the most. Aaron Casey, he was all Big Ten linebacker last year. He diagnoses plays really, really well. He's the heart and soul of that defense. Uh, Andre Carter, um, if they would call a holding penalty against the offensive line <laughs> blocking him, it would be really, really helpful. Um, but, you know, he, he could get after the quarterback and, and make some plays. Uh, Philip Leedy, he got hurt against Michigan. We'll see where he is on the availability report. Um, but he's in Indiana's best interior alignment. Now, interior alignment don't stand out other than that they're big dudes. And if you're talking about them, either they made an unbelievable play or they got hurt. <laughs> yep. You know, Nick Tour is another guy transferred from Stanford, 6'4 corner, just a big corner who could play well. Uh, and then, of course, the, the safeties you mentioned uh, in Dunham and Lewis Moore have had their, you know, their interceptions and, you know, they need to get back to that, but they're playmakers on defense too. Just just looking at stats and grades and all that, uh, secondary, easily the best unit on the team or uh, on defense? On defense, I should say. Is there a best unit? Um, <laughs> I would go defensive line. It, okay. It's still, I think the talent on the defensive line is there. Uh, they've made some plays. Uh, but again, it's depth. What do you do when that second, third teams come in? Same at linebacker. I think Jacob Magnum Ferrara and Aaron Casey are really good. But there's there there's nobody behind them that they they trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the secondary, it's it's kind of been banged up uh, with Jameer Johnson missing some time and things like that. But yeah. I mean, anytime you think Indiana's given up 96 points the last two games, so is is their best unit? I'm not really sure right now. That's fair. Now, I wanted to ask you, since this game is out in Indiana, what's kind of the feeling like among the fan base? I know you kind of mentioned it before. It's like win or rebuild at this point. It's basketball season, guys. Okay. You know, hysteria is <laughs> Friday night. Uh, I, I think lot. that's the attitude. Uh there's a lot of apathy uh, over the last two years. There's also a lot of anger. And I don't know if that's just from a few people on social media uh, or whatever, but there there have been former players calling out Allen and the coaching staff, former whatever equipment managers calling them out. And there, there have been players to come out and defend Allen too. Um, but, yeah, it, it's kind of toxic. I don't think you'll have a, a great crowd for you know, this, this fan base, it's kind of soft. As soon as, as soon as something goes wrong, um, it, it's over. Oh, this stinks. These stinks. I mean, it's almost like being a New York fan in the Midwest mm. where, you know, the, the first game of the Yankees season and Giancarlo Stan <laughs> takes his swings and misses, get this bum out of here. That's what it's like. Or, mm. you know, if, Watching the Jets on on uh, opening night and Aaron Rodgers goes down and the oh the season's done this is this is garbage whatever <laughs> uh, you know flipping off the camera <laughs> that that's no, the geez. feeling you get with Indiana football is just like 
we're so done. And it, it, that's, yep. that's part of it is, you know, yeah, it's a $20.8 million buyout, but you also can't lose the fan base. And, and no matter how small it is, you can't lose it. And you can't go back to having crowds of whatever, 15, 20,000. I don't care what the announced crowd is and how many tickets <laughs> they may have sold on the internet. Um, but the actual crowds, uh, you're you're going to lose more money than that, especially going into the the new Big Ten. And oh, congratulations on your non Big Ten schedule. We oh had a good God. one, and then, and then they changed it. We had no Ohio State, no Michigan, and then bam, they change it, and we have Ohio State, Michigan. So we yeah. we are jumping for joy over here because we have not gotten any favors from the Big Ten since we joined the conference, and I think we're all kind of okay with it, given the alternative yeah. of us still being in whatever the Big East slash AAC is at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was. I think we all were just like in complete shock, wondering if like we got sent the wrong schedule because yeah, we went from having Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State next year. Um, to none of them. I don't know how it happened. I'm just, I'm just gonna, you know, pretend like it was supposed <laughs> to happen and not, not ask any questions. It's like when you get the wrong change at the casino or something like that. It's like, oh, you gave me a hundred dollar chip. I was supposed to get a twenty five dollar. I'm not gonna say anything. I'm just gonna take my chip and walk away. Um, yep. Before we get to predictions here, you, you mentioned basketball. Obviously, Rutgers and Indian. I know you're a football podcast, but I assume you're also a hoops fan of IU, right? I guess so. Yeah, as an alumni of the school, yes, I root for Indiana basketball. But I'm Mm -hmm. like the the guy whose friends introduce him is like he's the the one Indiana guy who doesn't really like IU basketball. (laughs) (laughs) Woodson is putting together one hell of a 24 class. Steve Peichel is as well. I think that's going to be a great rivalry for years to come. It already has been, but general vibes around Mike Woodson right now amongst the fan base. Are, Are they higher than ever on the guy? I think so. You know, the, yeah. the, there were, uh, you know, early in his tenure, there's there's vibes that, you know, he, he wasn't totally bought in and into recruiting and was kind of lazy and stuff like that. But, you know, he, he landed Liam McNeely last week. And, yeah. Um, was it Boogie Flan is, is committing somewhere tonight? Or tomorrow. On Friday. Friday. Yeah, Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. 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 Teach your brain on vacation. I have no idea what day it is. <laughs> um, so, you know, the vibes around IU basketball are, are pretty good. However, again, a soft fan base mentally, what <laughs> happens when you lose a game? What happens, you know, you host Kansas, what happens if they, they come in and kick your butt? Or you go down and play Auburn and Atlanta in December and, and you lose that game. It's how do you handle those losses? It goes for football and basketball, too. Um, you know, they Trace Jackson Davis was a special player like a really special player and probably the best player I've seen at IU in my time. I started there in 2005. Um, so I missed a lot of the, the old school guys, but he he was a, a generational player. Um, I don't know if you can replace that. Um, and then you have issues with guards and health and all that stuff. And, you know, we'll see. They, they could be good, and the, the good thing about college basketball, which I hope college football doesn't turn into, losses in December don't matter. Yep. Regular season exactly. losses don't matter. Just go 500 or better in the Big Ten. You know, split some of your big non-conference games. Bam, you're in the tournament. Exactly, yeah. 
they 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 I hate the idea of them expanding the tournament even further, but that has been kicked around. It's like, why not make it to 96? And it's kind of like, well, why not just make it, you know, so everyone makes the tournament then? it's It, it loses its luster if you have too many teams. Um, yeah, and then you have people who are like, college football needs to be more like college basketball. No, college football is the greatest yeah. sport on the planet. Why are you yeah. changing it? Yeah, part of the allure to college football is every game really does matter. And, like, if you have a team that, Let's say a team with three losses ends up winning the national title in the 12-team format. I think that kind of just totally invalidates the regular season entirely. I just, like, what's the yeah, point of having... It in ba- yeah, you're seeing it in baseball now. Yes. Where yep. these wild card teams come in, the, the you know, whatever, the Orioles were the best team in the American League all year, and then all of a sudden they they get swept in the series. They hadn't been swept in, like, 91 previous series. Um, you know, so that's... I hope they don't make football like that where whatever Alabama cruises through the regular season might lose two or three games, gets that 10 spot in the playoff. And all of a sudden, you know, guys turn into, you know, Tua Tangavaloa and and Jerry Judy and all those guys and and they run the table. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, Getting sidetracked here. I I do want to get your prediction for this game. because I, I think a lot of Rutgers fans feel they're riding pretty high on the horse right now. We had that big comeback last week uh, against Michigan State. I think this team's coming in with a lot of confidence. The last couple of years, they've gotten out to a hot start and then just like kind of bled away a season. And you know, everybody thought the last two seasons they both started three zero. Um, it looked like a bowl game was more likely than not, and then we finished five wins and four wins. Um, so I think Rutgers is going to come into this game motivated to close out the year. But what, what's your feeling on how this game is going to go on Saturday? Well, um, Indiana is going to have to outwork Rutgers, which is hard because you got your know, Rutgers and Greg Schiano coach team. They they work. It's hard to outwork them. Um, you know they they might be out talented by those some teams, but they're not going to outwork you. And that was shown last week. Uh, against Michigan State. Now, Michigan State also totally collapsed in a, yep. a ridiculous way. But, um, you know, it, it's – what's the desperation level of Indiana? Did, does, is there that level of, uh-oh, we we got to win this game or it's over? Or is it, hey, we've got five more games after this and we play Illinois, Purdue, Michigan State, and we can, we can get – you know, four or five wins total there. Um, that being said, I do think Indiana is probably a little bit more talented all all around. But it's you know, talent gets beat when when people work harder than the talented people. So it's who who's going to work harder. But you know, whatever. I'll be the Indiana homer. I think it'll be a close game. Um, but look, if Rutgers comes out and gets a big play and Indiana makes a big mistake early, I think Rutgers could run away with this thing uh, pretty quick. Uh, kind of like that 2021 game where McCulley fumbles on the first snap and all of a sudden it's 34-3 and you have some shirtless students in the in the stands. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, last year was a hard-fought game. IU gets up 14 nothing. It looks like, all oh, right, you're back on track. And then Rutgers just grinds it away. Um, I think it's going to be one of those games again. But I'll take Indiana 24, Rutgers 21 um, in one of those 
score more points than Iowa and Minnesota combined, each of us. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I kind of tipped my hand a bit with what I was thinking. I think Rutgers comes into this game laser-focused, and they have a lot of seniors starting on this team. They have a lot of guys who have never had a winning season. They went to the Gator Bowl, but that doesn't really count. And a lot of those guys kind of, you know, we got notified like six days before the bowl game that they're going to participate. So they didn't really get the whole true experience. I think a lot of these guys, especially the older guys, want to leave some kind of legacy, leave some kind of, we were, you know, we turned this thing around. I think Rutgers does win this game. I think what you laid out does end up happening early in the game, whether it be the first quarter or the first half. I think there is some kind of mistake that Rutgers takes advantage of to go up and kind of puts this game away. I think Rutgers is going to win this game 27-17. to 17. What do you think, Rich? Some technical difficulties because, you know, never, never get a pet because they're just going to fuck up everything you have. Um, <laughs> anyway, it looks like it's going to rain on Saturday in Indiana, if I'm correct. Um, yeah, who so, knows? That could change. All right. Well, it says 56 in rain, so I'm going to go with that. Um, the over/under is 39 and a half. That's disgusting. That is gross. That is, I don't even know how to describe that one. But that was um, a touchdown more than Iowa, Minnesota. Oh, there you I go. I can't believe how low the <laughs> yeah, total that is. Yeah. Uh, um, and I think this is going to be like a similar matchup to Northwestern. Um, I'm not saying Indiana is Northwestern. I'm saying, and don't hate me on this one. I'm saying they're worse. Um, so I'm going to say probably like 24, seven, I think it's going to be eerily similar to that Northwestern game. I think Rutgers is just going to dominate on the defensive end. Indiana's got quarterback issues. Jalen Lucas is a nice player, but that's, it's really seems like that's all they have. And then, uh, their offensive line might be able to like give Rutgers a little bit of trouble on the defensive line, but that's arguably Rutgers best unit on the team. So I, I do think this Rutgers defense is going to, is going to basically take over the game and the offense is just going to do their typical thing where they're just going to run, 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 maybe an occasional pass, but mostly just run the ball down, down Indiana's throat kind of. Yeah. I mean, I could see any of the, the three outcomes happening, although if it's 27, <laughs> seven, um, yeah, people might be mad. Yeah. <laughs> if they still care about football, well, all five of us. <laughs> Oh uh, man, Sammy! Thanks for joining us. Uh, tell us where, tell our fans where we could find you, you and your work, uh, and anything else you want to plug. Go for it. Yeah. Um, so my website's hoosierhuddle dot com. I also do the stats for the radio broadcast for for IU. Um, so if you have fans in the Midwest who are listening, tune in on on Sirius XM and and listen, and we'll give some good tidbits. Um, you can find us on Twitter X, whatever it is called now, at hoosier <laughs> underscore huddle. Uh, we'll have we have our, our Rutgers preview. We'll have a piece of the game, uh, matchups to watch, and all all that stuff. Uh, we'll also have our game day primer coming out uh, tomorrow night. Um, and then, you know, if any of your followers are going out to Bloomington, uh, you could hit us up on Twitter for some recommendations and things like that. It is homecoming, so if you have not made reservations at hotel or at um, restaurants in Bloomington, uh, good luck. <laughs> yeah, I have heard that Bloomington is an awesome college town. I've never been there, but it is on mm-hmm. my uh, my list to check out one of these days. So if you have any recommendations, yeah, uh, yeah our friends would love to hear them. I got one yep. serious question before we sign off. Are you from the New York area or like the New Jersey tri-state area? Like how does the yeah, Jets grew, fan end up, up in, in Indiana? I grew up in Manhattan. 
Okay, um, cool. fair enough. So I, I'm New York Jets, Yankees. I'm I'm the weird Jets, Yankees, Knicks fan. Uh, okay. One of my good friends in elementary school's dad was a doctor for the Jets, so he went to a lot of oh, bad shit. Jets games oh, cool. for free. <laughs> well, yeah. So that's how I got sucked into being a Jets fan. Oh. Yeah, it's, it takes a very special person to stick with the Jets. Uh, one of our yeah. uh, occasional co-host, Craig, is a Jets fan, and you know, it just seems like. When you're a Jets fan, it just feels like you're just waiting for that second shoe to drop. Always, like I don't think anybody expected four plays in this year for Aaron Rodgers to blow his his Achilles out. But no, but one of the things I was like, I didn't really want Aaron Rodgers. I wanted somebody younger because I was afraid he was going to get hurt. I didn't yeah. think it would be like that in four yeah. plays, but because did like that happen with Vinny Testaverde after the '98 season, like the first play of like the '99 season? Everybody had like Super Bowl hopes, and then blows his Achilles. Yep, and then Tom Tupa comes in, throws two touchdown passes against the New England Patriots, and Ray Lucas, Rutgers legend, finishes out the regular there season. There you go. It all comes full circle here. Yep. Uh, well, thanks, Sammy. You are great. I really appreciate you joining us. And for everybody at home, thanks for listening and watching. It's been another edition of the Nickelback Podcast. Signing off. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.